0: And just read the the closing verses of of 28 of Matthew. And you'll see all of this there. God's power is seen in Jesus' ministry. God's promise is seen in Jesus' words. Faith in His words. Trust in His promises. For you see, the concept of waiting means that we wait Personally on God. Now this can kind of be seen. As when you go into a restaurant. And the person that comes to your table. Is a waiter. A paid waiter. I'm far too impatient for this. God's still working on me. A pay, wait, on your, wait on that table. Wait on God. Serve God. God. It's it's all wrapped up in a deep personal relationship. It is person on person. And the second part of this is waiting means that we are needy and we need to receive something. Or as Mother Teresa would say in her, her great wisdom, you can't give what you don't have. Wow. So often we hear something on the radio or read something in a book and we can't wait to tell someone about it even though we haven't started to practice it ourselves. Such a cool idea. And we always know what someone else needs at the lack of knowing what we need. Especially when we read it right there in the Bible, for them. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. Wow. So, so here it is. We are, we are waiters. We are receivers. Receivers. The second, um, the, the, the second surrender, number two, is becoming witnesses. Again, another profound New Testament word. This, this word is, is in the Greek is even spelled in a profound way. But, but let me read. So when they met together... They asked him, and I just love this, they asked him, Lord, so when are you going to restore the kingdom? It had been 40 days from the death and resurrection, and they're still thinking like they were hoping just prior to Good Friday. Aren't we coming into Jerusalem, and don't we have all these people? Aren't we, when do we win? You know, When do we get the trophy? When do we kick the Romans out? When does this all work for us? So it's been 40 days. Jesus has been with them. And they go, well, now, Jesus, when? And he just told them to wait. Well, it's just like us, isn't it? Just like me. Well, when are you going to bring about? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates. The Father has sit by his authority. And then I think Jesus did this. Three years on this camping trip with these knuckleheads. <laughs> the last 40 days has been just a riot. He goes, knock it off when, when, you know, when you get to all wear crowns and sit on either side of me. Six on either side. He says, that's going to happen. And I always love this. You know Jesus has something up his sleeve when the next word is, but you. Just any time you see that in the Bible, but you, just circle it and, and try to do what it's saying to do. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The word witnesses, even when you spell it out, says Marte or Martyr. No one had to tell you that telling someone that knows nothing about Christ is a martyrdom, didn't they? Unless all of you guys are doing that every week to everyone that you know that's a non-believer. This is one of the most difficult surrenders in the whole Christian deal, right? To share our faith, to to allow ourselves, our ambitions, our expectations, our agendas, to be circumvented, all the things we want, and not serve ourselves, but to serve Jesus, even if it means our death. Even if it makes a martyr of us well, I just don't know, I just don't know how I would tell them that. Right? Or, I just don't want to offend anyone. It's the, the doctor in the hospital room, you know, and the family's all gathered, and, and, and the doctor just looks at the family and says, there's, there's, there's nothing else here. It's, it's, it's about prayer now. And someone in the back row of the family says, has it come to that? No? Wow. Has it it come to that 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 somehow, you know, this the the whole intersection of life means do they know Jesus or not? Do we know Jesus or not? Can we share Jesus or not? And then Luke provides for us a, a beautiful geographic spiritual lesson. Because he just says three locations. But these are, again, fraught with with powerful teaching from us. For you see, to witness in Jerusalem... Jesus was saying, and by the way, I've been with you for 40 days, and I probably haven't gathered all the... Some, some have surmised that by the time Jesus got to Jerusalem, there were anywhere between 120 to 200 disciples, and of course they ran like pigs from a gun when Jesus was killed. So he says, we start off by finding all of the ones that are still scattered, hiding in and around Jerusalem. Get them! Get them! Find your brothers and sisters. Find, there's, there's, there's none of this in Jesus. Well, they left us, so leave them. Great compassion in Jesus. Go get those folks that really messed up and they're still out there. By the way, you guys all messed up big too and you know it. So do that in Love. Do that in love. Find those that are in and around Jerusalem. Judea, which is like Jerusalem, where Jerusalem was its capital. And then he says, go after the people that we never quite captured, but they were on the edge. I mean, they're good Jews. and They observe the temple and all of that. And he says, there's a whole bunch of people that are just ready to teeter. And, and we know this is true because when Peter preached his first sermon on that first Pentecost day, 3,000 people came out of Jerusalem and Judea and converted that day. They went from, you know, to, from, from uh, Arnold Chapel in the Pines to Willow Creek. Boom! One Sunday. They turned into a megachurch. Because they were all right there. You see, they were all in and about Jerusalem and Judea. But this, then it starts getting interesting. And then he says, go to Samaria. This was their known enemy. <laughs> Check that out. So Samaria were the people that were kind of part Jewish, but they were also part something else. And they were all kind of messed up and and. And because of that, Samaritans were always seen as the bad guys. And Jesus, as you know now, used the Samaritans always as good guys in his parables. Wow, isn't that interesting? So he says, I want you to continue this. I want you to continue doing that. Go after those people that just don't have it right. They're religious and all that kind of stuff, but they got the wrong, they put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, and they got it all turned around. Do you think you could have some compassion for them? Bring them, the ones that are half right. And then he goes to the other most parts of the world. Well, these are the unknown enemies. These are the pagans, the Romans, the Greco-Romans, the the Huns up in Europe. All all, all these people are, are, are are now the known enemies. And Jesus says, and by the way, pick all of them up too. Are you willing to give yourself up for the people you know really well, the people you kind of know, the people you know pretty well, but they're your enemies, the people you don't know at all that are your enemies? You see, Jesus is saying, I want you to keep up what I've done. And what has Jesus done? What has Jesus done for us? Well, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. That's the ministry. That Christ died for us while we were enemies to him. And Jesus spent the three years molding the apostles to help them understand. And this is a a very important message in our day. That if we as Christians are going to eliminate our enemies, the only way that God has allowed us to do that is to make them our friends. People just making bukus of money, books and all this. Here's the enemies. Here's the guys we got to get. Really? That's a surrender, isn't it? To witness under those conditions to give ourselves in such ways that the, that the wrong and the half wrong, the lost and the, the almost there with us could be reached by the surrender of our witness. And the, the, the third is, is, is this, giving themselves to prayer. After this, he was taken up before their eyes in a cloud from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky, and he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. So, whenever the most unconceivable moment about Jesus is, the two guys in white show up and explain it to him. They got to explain it to Lucy because he doesn't get it, right? There, there we are, you know, it, whether, it's the, whether it's the resurrection or, or the transfiguration, when it gets really. Here come the guys in white. Men of Galilee, they said, "Why do you stand looking at the sky?" I mean, they were like, and Jesus was gone. I mean, there's a whole bunch of emotion there. I mean, last time they're going to see him like that. Why do you look up in the sky? The same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go. That's kind of exciting too. They, well, and they didn't look at their watches and say, do you guys know when that time is? You know, I mean, we don't want to miss it. I don't think anyone's going to miss that. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. They were still observant Jews. Okay? Little clues, and if you read the book of Acts, you see some really amazing little things there until that begins to start to fade. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And those who were present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women. And and by the way, Luke's gospel, the women were paying the bills, right? The women were providing out of their purses what was needed over the the three years. So there's some, but we we don't only have time for that today. But the women were important. The women got things done in the church. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Remember the brothers? I mean, this is kind of like the Cinderella story. This is the, the you know, the, 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 kind of the, the ugly stepbrothers. You know? They, they went to the fancy ball and Jesus had to stay home, right? When are you, why don't you go to Jerusalem and just show off all that stuff? Luke is telling us that these who is important here. That's the first thing I want to say. The who is important. He lists all the apostles so you know they're missing one. They have lost one along the way Judas. And if you want to get some more of that, just keep reading the chapter. So you've got the apostles there, you've got all the women there, you've got Mary the mother of Jesus who plays an instrumental part early in the church. And you've got the brothers of Jesus, one whom writes the book of James James at the uh, the end of the New Testament. And and it's important that we understand that this is the core. And the core knew when they finally stopped looking in the sky that they must surrender themselves to, to prayer. And how they did this was all the time. Prayer for them was constant. So I I, I did an exercise this week because I wanted to see how constant it was. And I just at a glance read quickly the book of Acts. And this is what I found. That prayer precedes every single big or little thing that happens in the book of Acts in every chapter. No occasional prayer meetings or when it's come to that. These dudes are praying. They are spending time on bended knee. and, and, And this is what they're praying. They're praying that they might know and see God everywhere. And then they're praying for strength to do what they hear God saying to them. They're not praying about all their needs yet which are important to be prayed for they're praying about this this mission by way of application I just want to say this morning that the three difficult surrenders are the, the letting go and the letting God of the issue the first of these is waiting waiting where we don't want to wait check this out. Uh, just, I'm going to give you these verses. I just encourage you to write them down. Read them this afternoon. Read them throughout the week. This is Isaiah 40. You know, you're know, you going to know this passage, but I just wanted to read it in its full context. Isaiah 40, 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. God's Great gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. Excuse me here, but i just got to take this back to the King James translation so you'll know what this verse is. But they who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, they will soar on wings of eagles, they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not faint. You see, waiting transforms our impatience, and it renews us and brings strength. That's why waiting's important. It changes that impatience that we have inside of ourselves. And the second surrender is like it witnessing. God wants us to witness to people who we don't want to witness to or talk to. I love this out of Colossians chapter 4 verse 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always Be filled with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The the, the New Testament church believed that we would be having a conversation with outsiders and enemies and friends and, and, and almost their people all the time and that we would be trusting in God. For you see, witnessing transforms our fear into words and ways of grace for the outsider. For God so loved the world, if you placed anyone outside of your circle of the grace that God has given you because you think they're not worthy of it or they're too rough a cut or this or that, Jesus says, please think again. You bear my name as Christian. Love them in let your words and your actions be seasoned with grace. And praying. God also always wants us to pray when we don't want to. I just want to get the job done. Or I just want to see something happen. And, and, and God says, why don't you stop and pray? You see, praying transforms my independence and my self-sufficiency. I think if I just tried a little harder, I could do it without praying and do it without God's help. How crazy is that? I got the power of God Almighty before me and I want to do it myself. There is so much we will never know and do without prayer. As long as we are, as long as prayer is not on the radar, we, we won't see that come into our lives. I, I want you to consider this morning one or all of these surrenders for your own life personally, and me too. If we don't do that, then we're going to assume that someone else in our church is going to wait, witness, and pray while we get practical and get things done. And if we do it that way, we're going to see some growth and some transformation in our lives. Let me, let me give you a vision of a preferred future for Chapel in the Pines. What if everyone a chapel in the Pines was waiting for the next year, and it turned into a habit. And witnessing to people that we know, it, intentionally inviting them, and praying every step of the way, I believe there would be massive spiritual growth. And many people, someone could get, one or two people could get this message today, and we could see two or three families come. But what if you started praying and God put someone on your heart? Everyone in here. And we started inviting them to church and some stick and came and some didn't. But we all got involved in this. We all kind of got apostolic for a moment and and, and did stuff like the early church. Does God do that? One at a time. He's going to do it for whoever wants to take this word and begin to make that application. The nub of the problem is a quote that came back to me. I heard it a few about a year ago, and I heard it back again today. We cannot think ourselves into a new way of living. We can only live our way into a new way of thinking. That's what the, the, as, as, as soon as we're ready to live on this and take a step forward, that's when it's going to happen. We're going to sit there, you know, and I stroke my imaginary beard and think about what's next. Then I'm thinking, but I'm not deciding to step forward. And as we found in the Great Commission, and, and you see in almost every biblical story, God gives them something to move forward with. So that God can anoint that and empower that for his glory.